Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call. It's 291-6901. And you use the area code here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. Sure, wish you would. We always appreciate hearing folks all around the place. Just give us a call. Trying to help you out and get you right up straight to the top of the list, get your question asked for you. That's it. And we will probably, this may be our last live show for a couple of weeks. Because okay. We've got vacation next week. And, right. Uh, so we won't be back. Probably out a couple of weeks yeah. there. So if you got something on your mind. Now's the time. Now's the time to call in. <laughs> we did a program a couple of weeks ago on buying a new car. Right. And got a bunch of positive feedback on that. One gentleman wrote and said that another resource that we didn't think about. He okay. says, if you go to the manufacturer's website, there's all sorts of information on what is the difference between, say, an ES model or EX model and all that detailed information. So when you're deciding what kind of car you may want to buy, that is a very valuable asset. That would be the manufacturer's website, be okay. it Toyota or GM or whatever. Now, obviously, you got to remember that these guys are going to be biased as far as their own product. Well, of course. But comparing one of their own products to another it can be an invaluable resource. Yes. Tell you what packages are available, what they do, what's the difference in this and that and the other as far as all the different safety features and what have you. And I would not really trust that as far as deciding I'm going to buy this car because of what they're saying. Right. But I would definitely use it to compare one model of a car or one one model with two several different levels of vehicles. Yeah, something like that could be very, very good. And I said... Again, you got to remember that information could be biased towards their products. Well, of course. I mean, obviously, it's advertised. They didn't sit down and just write all this stuff down just because just they're nice guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you're not ever going to see anything negative about their products compared to another product. Right. But if you want to know if, let's say, the ES model has a sunroof. Right. And the LS model doesn't. Right. Well, that would be a good resource that for that. That would be a good resource for that or even suspension options sure. and all the different, different packages. Yeah, so anyway, I thank you for yes, definitely. submitting that information to us. I thought we would talk some today. With The temperatures are definitely rising Oh, out most there. definitely. Pretty, much, pretty <laughs> much across the country. Yes, it is. Yeah, I saw it was 106 degrees way up north here uh, last week. Yeah, so. last week. And yeah, I don't know where you stand politically, and we're not getting into political aspects of global warming and all that stuff, but I think most people do agree it is pretty darn hot out there for whatever reason. It is sure enough hot enough for air conditioning. Yeah, and there's nothing that we can do about that. As on a one-to-one basis, right. uh, other than have our air conditioning working <laughs> <laughs> and you're on an immediate basis, that is certainly one thing that I've got to have. I mean, I, you know, younger, when I was younger, it really didn't matter. It didn't want to bother me as much. But as I've gotten older, I really like it. Oh, yeah. Well, and, you know, you kind of get spoiled. Sure. With air sure. conditioning. It, it's, it's a very, very comfortable <laughs> feeling because not only is it removing the temperature, removing the heat, from your environment it's also reducing the humidity mm-hmm. which is a big 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 factor well and if you're all hot and sweaty you come more stressed than you would be if you were cooler and more comfortable well, so absolutely that kind of tends to to help out well everything tends to go down a human being can operate within a pretty narrow range of temperatures at its peak i mean it's not that you're going to stop like an alligator or something when it hits 70 degrees too cold you can't move around anymore but you can operate a whole lot more efficiency at 65 to 75 degrees sure. than you are at 85, 85 to, to 95 right. degrees. <laughs> yeah. You're de- and the same thing the other way. I mean, sure. when you get cold, you're not going to operate nearly as efficiently. So from the standpoint of working, be it your job, air conditioner, or at home, you'll certainly oh. I sleep a lot better. Oh, when most nice definitely. And cool. 
But being in a car is probably, in my opinion, is even more so than that because houses, even the ones that maybe are not air conditioned or whatever, which I can't imagine building a house now without air conditioning, <laughs> but at least not in this era. Right, not in this area of the country. Area. But yeah, you could have fans, you got windows, you got all this different stuff. But cars are designed in such a way that they really don't have an effective ventilation system. I mean, you, yeah, you do have a little thing, but it's just blowing hot air on you. Right. You can't readily roll the windows down that much. I mean, there's no insulation to speak of because the car is... It's glassed in. You have to be able yeah, to see out of it. So Pretty much two-thirds glass. Right. And that heat is going to come right through that glass, sure. particularly with a car sitting. You, you let a car sit out in the sun and you walk into it. It may be 140 degrees inside that car. Very easily. Now, you roll all the windows down, drive down the road, it's going to probably go down to the ambient temperature. But if the ambient is 95 degrees at 95% humidity... It's still hot. You are definitely not going to be comfortable. <laughs> and a lot of folks, by their profession or just their desire, like to dress. They mm-hmm. may have a jacket on, may have a tie sure. on. And it could be unbearable to try to operate in those kind of temperatures particularly like with little children and stuff if you got little infants in the car you, you just can't hardly ride around without air conditioning no no if if they're fussing and crying you're not in a good mood either mm-hmm. so uh, you've got to try to keep them more comfortable than than you are actually absolutely and automotive air conditioning has gotten more reliable over the years we don't see as many breakdowns other than some i guess noteworthy examples like chevrolet Pickup trucks had that problem with the condenser cracking in. Right. It was just a bad design, and I don't remember exactly what years those were. Somewhere around 04, 05, on mm. up to like 08 maybe. I was thinking 08 to like 16. You might be right. I can't remember the exact yeah, the, year I miles. Think, but, I think it was a redesigned body in, in 07, 08, okay. and then it ran all the way up to, it was, it was, well, when they changed over to 1234. Mm-hmm. Uh, refrigerant yeah i think that's when they finally re- retrofitted the condenser yeah you just driving along everything's fine all of a sudden it starts getting warmer in the car and then it gets to where it just doesn't work at all and when you take it in and get it checked you'll realize pretty quick there's no refrigerant in the system at mm-hmm. all well, where'd it go because cars do not just use refrigerant no that is a closed sealed system absolutely sealed and so anytime any vehicle gets low on refrigerant just putting some more in there is not going to solve the problem. No, it may it may get you by temporarily. It may. But, it's like I said, it's a sealed system, so if it leaked out, it's going to continue to leak out. Particularly if it leaks out quickly. Now, I've got customers. In fact, we've got one gentleman. He's got an older Chevy pickup, which is still in really, really good shape. Right. And the evaporator core started leaking in his vehicle. But now, this is a very, very, very slow leak. So about once a year, maybe every 18 months, he'll come in. It's not cooling as well. He knows this evaporator right. core. He's got the money to fix it. But if he doesn't have to spend the money right now, he just assume not. Well, we can evacuate that system, add a little bit of off and all that's been lost, mm-hmm. recharge it, and it's going to get him another 12 to 18 months. Right. So for him, that works fine. It's not a critical vehicle. He's got another one if he needs sure. it. And he told me last time he brought it in, he says, well, do you think we need to just go ahead and fix this thing? I said, well, we can, but it's going to cost the same thing later on as it's going to cost now. If you want to spend the money right now, we can, but for a pretty reasonable price, we can just recharge it, keep you going for now, sure, and just see what happens down the road. And the only inconvenience there is you have to bring it in to have it done right. when it starts warming up. That's right. And that is a you know, conflicting with, say, the, the Chevy pickup we just mentioned, where 
it's cooling really good one day. The next day is nothing. Right. Because it's leaked out. And not only those, but a lot of vehicles today that are built real low to the ground have a problem with the condenser where a rock sure. will pop up. Sure. Uh, Honda products were pretty bad about that for many years. My yeah. little Toyota, my Camry, I've had to put two condensers two. in that car. Yeah, I think, so we, I think we finally fixed that one. We now. finally put some metal uh, put a, mesh. Put an expanded metal mesh across the opening. But the car sits so low to the ground, and it's got all those spoilers to duct air where right. it needs to go. And all it takes is one little small pebble a, at 70 miles an hour. Yeah, a pea gravel at 70 miles an hour is like a bullet. It comes through, knocks a hole in the condenser. Well, it all the refrigerant's cooling. gone. It doesn't take long. Right. That, so, that is that is a catastrophic leak because right. all the refrigerant leaked out at one time very quickly. Right. So there's no recharging that and having it last very long. No. You can charge just running out as fast as you put exactly. it in because it's got a, got a hole, hole in it. In the condenser. So, yeah, that's kind of a problem we're seeing more and more. The condensers in modern-day cars are lighter and lighter. They're making them thinner because the whole car is light. They're aluminum. Most cars today have what they call a micro condenser. That's where the little passageways are so, so tiny, and there's so many of them, that the tiniest little nick anywhere in there is going to exhaust all of them. Sure. Refrigerant pretty fast. Add that to the fact that cars today hold a lot less refrigerant than cars in the past. The past cars used to hold pounds of refrigerant, up to two and a half pounds uh, of some vehicles. I remember some of your big cars, like your Chevy Caprices and all that, held up to five pounds of refrigerant. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's a lot that of is. refrigerant compared to cars now. An average charge is around one pound. Sure. Some of them is measuring ounces. ounces. Yeah. And some maybe just a little over a pound. Mm-hmm. Like some of your pickup trucks and all might have hold a pound and a half, pound and three quarters, something like that. But yeah, they, the systems are much, much smaller. They're more efficient, so they still cool well. But a leak is a much, much bigger problem now than it used to be, than it was in the past. Now, on your more modern cars, where they went to the new refrigerant, which is the R1234YF, mm-hmm. those you really can't tolerate any kind of leak because the blasted stuff is so expensive. Right. It's not like R134A or, in the old days, R12, where you can go and get a can and you can add it in there, and a can of refrigerant was about three or four bucks right. for 12 ounces. It took a few minutes to put Took-a-few it in. Minutes. It wasn't a big deal. It wasn't too big of a deal. This 1234YF, number one, takes a specialized machine yep. just to put it in there, and it may cost as much as $30, $35 an ounce. Right. So you're talking <laughs> a very, very serious amount of money to recharge this system. We'll sure. talk more about all this when we get back and we'll take our first quick little break. If you ever plan to move west. Mimi, your hair is so cute. Who cuts it? Oh, thanks. I got a guy for you. Here's his card. It just says Fallon. Oh, no. It's Fallon. Well, uh, Fallon doesn't have a number on his card. I know. Appointments with Fallon are referral only. But I must cut a lock of your hair. Deliver it to Fallon. He will put it under his pillow for a week, and your style and cut will come to him in a vision. Seems like old Fallon has quite a gig going. Today, everybody's got a guy. If you're looking for an automotive guy, Think Agco Automotive. No complications, just quality maintenance and repairs you can trust. And with Agco's general inspection, they complete an annual checkup to diagnose problems and schedule maintenance so you can budget for the year and keep your car in tip-top shape. So, how much does Fallon charge for a cut? That will come to him in a vision, too. Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. 
Norris, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, if you got a question or a comment, just give us a call. It's 291-6901. Love to hear from you. And we were talking a little bit today about air conditioning sure. in cars, and we're going to get more into the technical aspects of it just a bit here. But if you have a question on any topic, you're never limited to whatever we may be, may be discussing that particular day. Not at all. So, yeah, anything that's on your mind. And like I said, this may be the last live show for a couple of weeks because we'll be out on vacation next right. uh, couple of weeks. A couple of weekends. So, anyway, we were talking about the newer cars, and the, the R1234YF is a new refrigerant. New stuff, and I think that came, it, it started getting pretty, it started putting in around 14 or so, and it got pretty popular around 16, and probably everything from there on up is going to have that in it. And this is a totally, totally different refrigerant from right. every, everything else that's ever come before. Right. The 134. Requires special equipment to even ha- use it. Right. The 134A machines will not work with it. Mm-hmm. You actually have to take a, um, a certification test yep. to even be able to buy it. Yeah, or even bottom machine or, you, or anything yeah. else. You, Anything you, related you to it. You have to be certified because it can be explosive or flammable under sure. certain conditions. So it's just what is. And <laughs> right now, there's still tons of 134A cars out there. there but are. they'll eventually go away just like the just R12 like the cars did. did. Yeah, they quit making it and the well, cars they, get older and older. I don't know if they ever quit making the 12. Yeah, they just they, ran well, the price they up still on got it. it. Yeah, they just put a tax on it, 30 bucks a can. Right. So, so, so it went from two bucks a can to can to $32 a can. Right. Yeah, overnight. But you will not be able to retrofit these systems either. This is not something you'll be able to put 134A in or, mm-hmm. or vice versa. And you won't be able to take your old 134A system and put the uh, 1234YF into it. It's just a totally different system, different chemical completely. You know, ironically, this all came out right about the time that Dow Corning's patent ran out on 134. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. How about that? I'm not huh? saying that has anything to do with it. But, yeah, right. <laughs> but the, yeah, the new systems are a totally different refrigerant. So don't expect to go down and get a charging hose and buy a can and just dump it in there. That will not. And as far as I know, without a certification, you can't even buy right. stuff. Right. Not, not online, not anywhere. So it's. Like everything else new that comes along, it, it generally means it's going to cost more. The consumer's going to pay more. Oh, most definitely. <laughs> yep. Now, I do have to say, from what I've seen of it, it does cool very, very well. It does. I have not seen any problem with a lack of cooling with it. So the systems that come with it do seem to work very well. And, again, we will see in time how well it holds up. Does it eat up evaporator cores? I would, time will tell. I would suspect probably so. Uh, just like everything else does, but it's it's going to be a different deal. It's not a matter of just going add a little bit to it when it quits working. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a visit to a shop somewhere. Oh yeah, even get it checked. But all that notwithstanding, it's a very good idea when your air conditioning system starts to diminish in cooling. In other words, it used to cool down the car in two minutes. Well, now it's taking five minutes, ten minutes, but it's still cooling it down. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't mean, well, it's just getting older, well, that's okay, or whatever. It's a good idea to get that checked. Reason being, it's always going to be less expensive if you can catch it before a catastrophic failure. Right. Yeah. While, while it's working, everything is lubricated. Every, the refrigerant is flowing like it's supposed to. It's just low. Mm-hmm. So if you find that leak now before you have the catastrophic failure and end up with mm-hmm. metal all in the system and you have to change the compressor, complete, the, complete the system. condenser, all the hoses... It's a whole lot better to do it before it goes. Oh, absolutely. And not only that, there are other things that can make it not cool other than just being low in the refrigerant. Most definitely. Like we've talked about before, there are fans, one for the radiator, generally one for the condenser. These fans draw air through that condenser, which when you're going down the road 60 miles an hour, it's not too, too big of an issue. But when you're sitting at a red light 
and your car starts to warm up. That's a classic sign. Now, it's very important to get that fixed immediately because what's happening is that the reason it's slowing down the cooling is because the head pressure is going sky high because it's not mm-hmm. being able to give the heat off efficiently. That high pressure can take out a compressor pretty quickly sure. and can even cause a evaporator cord rupture. We're going to talk more about that. Let's catch phone calls here. We've got Dion online. Good morning, Dion. Good morning. How are you? Doing morning, great, Brian. sir. Good morning. I, I have a couple of questions for you. One of them is general about the nature of the car market, and then it kind of bumps down specifically to how I treat my own car. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been reading, and it's obvious looking online, that the price of used cars has gone up 30% yes. on average yes. in one year. And yes. in many cases, even higher, depending on the model and desirability and so on. I mean, my own um, stepson had this issue recently. I, you know, I ended up paying essentially a new new cost. You know, what would be an MSRP mm-hmm. was a 2019 Pilot yes, with 70,000 miles on it. And so I know that, you you know, it's even on your website now, this is discussion of used versus new and, and depreciation and so on. But it seems to me that in the current market, which is kind of fueled by pandemic shortages and rubber shortages and chip uh, problems due to climate as well, water problems that they have in Taiwan, that that whole equation is changing. And and that, you know, because I'm seeing, as I said, used cars with two to three years going for more than what the new version would cost a yes. year or two. Ago. Well, you know, so, uh, what, what's yeah, really please. driving that, Dion, if you think about it, used price is always a percentage of new price. And right now, the reason people are paying more for used relative to new is because they cannot get the new ones. In other words, if you've if you, if you got to have a car and there are no new cars available, then what do you do? You're going to have to buy a used car. And, of course, the market is driving it. If it's a limited supply and a high demand – Somebody's going to pay more. This guy's got to have a car to get to work. He cannot get a new one. He's going to pay way more, just like with houses or anything else. It drives the market way up. But rest assured, the new price is going to do the exact same thing. You know, once they get a shortage of the used cars and you start to get a supply of the new cars, just hold on. Because, I mean, you hadn't seen anything. A lot of that's got to do with inflation. Just everything is going up even though you don't hear much about it, it's going up drastically right now. And a lot of it has to do with government-mandated stuff they have to put on cars that all cost money. So while the temporary equation may be tweaked a little bit just because of supply and demand, I think you will see that when new cars do become available again, the price is going to be way higher than you think. Hey, you still there? I think we lost Dion. Uh, Dion, I hope that did answer your question fully. And if not, give me a call back, and I'll be glad to go into it more. But yeah, I think what you'll see is a temporary situation where you're seeing used cars going up even above the price of new cars. Right, because that's all that's available right now. That is all that is available. Let's say you've got a job and you live 30 miles from where you work. Sure. You've got to have a car to get there or you can lose your job, which is an even bigger problem. Exactly. So you go down to buy a new car and there's nothing available. There just are no new cars, and if they are, they're going way over this price. Mm-hmm. You're not discounting at all or helping at all. So you've got to get a used car because that's all that's available to you. Well, the price of that used car is necessarily going to rise. And I think we got Dion back. Hey, Dion, did did, did that answer uh, your question? And that was part of the question. Okay. Um, the, the other part goes to this changing definition. How do I begin to then 
think about my own car. Mm-hmm. I have a, an 08 Camry. It's in good shape. You know, I've got a code reader. I've got a, a wireless dryer. I can read mode six and mm-hmm. live data and all the rest. So I know it's in, in pretty good shape. Mm-hmm. But I, I kind of wonder, because I'm starting to do more long-distance traveling, whether some of the components need to be proactively changed because of its age. Specifically, I mean, I'm driving. I drove up to Chicago from Central Texas. I'll be driving off to Alabama pretty soon. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got um, both a an alternator and a starter, for example, they're pretty old. And I know that you're one of the things that you constantly talk about is you need to prepare and think about reducing risk on a long term trip. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so are these kinds of things. I mean, this is a car that was in Massachusetts for five years. That's the prospecting, but nothing fatal. Mm-hmm. At what point do you begin to look at those kind of components? Well, maybe have them put on an oscilloscope or something before you take a long trip. Wouldn't be a bad idea. It, I don't know. Where, where are you calling from, Dion? In the Austin area, Austin, Texas. Okay. Uh, I'm sure there's a shop somewhere in that area that can do a trip check for you, and they may call it something different. But that's where it, you express your concerns to them. Say, this car is older. I am taking a number of trips. I would like you to go in and say, read the amperage on the starter draw, check the alternator with a load test. Like I said, put an oscilloscope on the brush pattern. I mean, there's a lot of things like that you can do. Normally, I do not consider a starter or an alternator as one of those things I would preemptively change simply because many of them do last a very, very long time. They'll last perhaps the life of a car in many cases. And if they do tend they to fail, generally they will fail. give you a warning. Yeah, they generally give you a warning. The alternator will start making noise. It'll start doing something. Same thing with a starter. It'll start click, click, clicking or something. Rarely do they just catastrophically fail with no warning. So from that standpoint, I would probably check a little closer and a little more often, but I probably would not replace those preemptively. A couple of things oh, you may first. Yeah, diagnosis so, first. Yeah, yeah. one thing diagnosis. you may or may not have thought about: the radiator is twelve years old. I would definitely replace the radiator. They have a high failure rate. They do. I mean, radiators that, today that has been replaced once. That has been replaced once oh, already. Good. Okay, well, good. Yeah, if it's been less than eight to ten years, you should be just fine. But that mm-hmm. is one thing I would preemptively replace. I would certainly have the transmission serviced on a more regular basis than usual. Maybe every fifty thousand miles now. Simply because when I drop that pan and I see a handful of metal in the bottom of the pan, I know we got a problem coming. So it's a good diagnostic tool, and it's also a good maintenance-type tool. So these are the kinds of things that I would recommend. I would certainly change the battery in it every three years, even though it's working just fine. Just because an older car, like you said, the alternator is not quite what it used to be. An old battery can strain that. That can speed up its failure. It just doesn't get charged as well. I mean, all those kind of things is what I would do. Certainly, if I were going in and changing some component, for instance, let's say the timing cover started leaking on the car. Well, you've got the water pump off at that point. Well, yeah, I would go ahead and preemptively change the water pump because I'm already there. The labor, yeah, the, the labor is already there. So that would make a lot of sense. Too. That's been done in about 100K. So there you go. Good. There you go. But cross that one off too. Yeah. yeah, I would not just go in and preemptively change a water pump because it generally gives some warning and it is a fair amount of labor. So whatever makes sense to you as far as I'm doing this other repair, this is in that area. It's higher mileage. Now, I got to say, an 08 Camry was one of the better cars they ever built. Yep. That car is probably not even halfway through the, its life. 
And another thing that really confuses people a lot, because the OEM spends trillions of dollars to make you think new equals dependable. And that's not necessarily true. A well-maintained older car can be as dependable or even more More. dependable in some cases than a newer car would be. I mean, I had a 2000 uh, Buick. It was uh, 04, wasn't it? Something like that. It was 15, 20 years old. And I would get in and go. I went to New York in a couple times, went out west in a couple times. I mean, I never had a moment's trouble out of it. But it was maintained. But it was a well-maintained car. So I don't buy into the situation. I'm I'm going to buy a new car because I want it to be more reliable. I just don't see that. We work on just as many oh, new no, cars no, no. as old. The complexity introduces new uncertainty. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, you know, and a new cost. I know. I listen to you talk about what it costs to repair a bumper, you know, that has sensors in it, and how yeah. they have to or headlight. You know, so I understand <laughs> you know, that there is a cost to every so-called benefit and you have to weigh that well that's in right. my case what happened in this last trip is because there's a little rust because i was in massachusetts right. for five years the um the resonator separated from the catalytic converter and i had to have that well yeah and, okay mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing and so those are also the kinds of things i want to look at because there is a little rust you know when you i was right on the seashore you know you got the you got the sea and you got the winter with the salt and so for four or five years, I had to deal with yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. Uh, um, I but I got to tell you, you know, there's such a hoopla about the two AZ SE engine, and I got to tell you, after 150k, maybe it burns half a quart after 5,000 miles. Yeah, and that, you, you knew it was going to probably burn more than that, yeah. and they're going to tell you it's normal. <laughs> but I mean, that's these days, from my understanding, that's actually low, you yeah. know, in terms of what engines. Are. So I, I know there's a lot of talk about. I want to tell you, I've learned a lot, and I keep learning from what the two of you do every week. And so, and I think there are many people like me who listen, who don't necessarily have a specific question of the week, mm-hmm. but we're there listening, and I want you to know that. Well, very good. I Thank appreciate you. it. Yes. Thank you both. All right, Dion. Thanks, nice caller, man. Bye-bye. All right, we've got to take our second quick little break. Be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Man, you have a personal trainer, right? Yes, I've got the guy, Mr. Miyago. <laughs> He's going to teach me how to wax on, wax off. Mr. Miyago's no joke. Oh, sorry. He begins by filling your shorts with wet sand to provide weight resistance and enhance focus. Then launches into a series of drills like crouching tiger, hidden badger, fire monkey, flogging duck, and highly agitated dragon. Sounds kind of extreme. Yeah, brah. Extreme results. Everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for the right automotive guy, it's Agco Automotive. We make it easy. Quality repairs and a staff you can trust. And with Agco's general inspection, you get an annual checkup to diagnose problems that could cost you down the road. You will need to sign a waiver stating you are not allergic to pig intestines and live geese. I think I'm just going to hit the gym, TJ, but thanks. Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. We appreciate you spending your Saturday morning with us. If you got a question or a comment on the show, give us a call. It's 291-6901. Got all our lines open. We're glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. That we do. We were talking a little bit about air conditioning and things you can do to try to head off problems with right. it. One of the things is that the condenser on the front of that car does accumulate dust and debris over the over years. Of time. Sometimes leaves will get in there. If you restrict that uh, condenser in any way, shape, or form, your AC is going to lose efficiency. 
because that is where it is giving off the heat. In other words, air conditioners do not produce coal. A lot right. of people think they blow coal air, but they don't. What they do is they remove the heat. And when you remove it from the inside of the car, it has to be gotten rid of. Right. It's got to go somewhere, so it goes to the condenser where the it condenser, is. The condenser, they pull cool air through it, which gives off the heat, and that's what makes the whole system work. The problem is you got a fan plus the road draft going through this thing constantly. After several years, it's gotten a good deal of debris inside this condenser. It does. Now, at that point is where you're going to start losing efficiency. And like we talked about before, you kind of come to a stop and the AC starts warming up. It doesn't work as well. You might want to check and see if your condenser is dirty because that is something you can do yourself. Now, it's not as easy on some cars as it was at one time. To some, access the condenser. Some vehicles are extremely difficult to get to the condenser. Yeah, at very least, if you take a garden hose and spray through it from the outside, you're going to knock a lot of the dirt Considerable out. amount off. Even better, if you can remove the fasteners and kind of lean it forward and squirt the water the opposite way, you're going to get a lot more because you're doing reverse. Thing. That would be ideal, but you have to consider the area that it's sitting in, the room you have to move it. And a lot of those condensers are actually bolted to the radiator itself. Mm -hmm. It's bolted top and bottom. And just because you can get to the fasteners at the top and get those out, the ones at the bottom are still in it. It won't lean out. Right. A lot of them don't have enough room to lean out. Well, and you don't want to bend it. You right. don't want to grab it and force it out because if you bend it, you may rupture it. And then you got even bigger problems. The ones you can move, there are some air deflectors that run along the sides mm -hmm. and the bottom mm -hmm. and the top. Make sure those get put back in correctly. Exactly the way they were. Right. In case of a front-end collision, mm -hmm. make sure the body shop has put all that back to the way it goes exactly the way it came out. Those are in there to in there for force the air into the condenser. Right. It and doesn't if let... they're missing, the air bypasses the condenser and goes right around it, and you will lose a lot of AC sure. efficiency. Sure. We see that a lot with cars, as you mentioned, that have been wrecked. Uh-huh. They put it back together. They painted it real it nice. Looks beautiful it's from beautiful, the outside. Beautiful job, except they left these little deflectors off. Mm -hmm. And then you start to see problems with the AC overheating, right. and maybe even a condenser failure. Some of them are plastic deflectors. Some of them are actually a rubber deflector that is uh, attached to the core. I've seen support. some that just foam rubber, just kind of some are foam kind of wedges in there, right? And it gets old. It gets brittle. You take it out, and it, it breaks up. The body shop or even a repair shop does not put it back, and then right. you got trouble. Another thing is some of the lower deflectors under the car that look like they're just there to kind of cover the motor, and they are, but they also have a little air dam that ducks air up through that condenser. Right. Anything that interrupts that airflow, be it the fan not working or not working fully, or any of these ducts and stuff that force the air through there, is going to reduce the efficiency of your air conditioning considerably. Now, say the it, interior. Right. Let's go inside and underneath mm -hmm. the dashboard. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of doors under there. There are a lot of actuators that work those doors. Mm -hmm. If any of those actuators start to go bad or hang up and the door does not fully open or close, right. or even if it does fully open and close, if the foam around it that seals it deteriorates. deteriorates. And sometimes you'll find that in the cabin filter. Mm -hmm. uh, that's something else you need to take consideration of. The cabin filter gets dirty. It's right. going to reduce the airflow going through the evaporator. Reduced airflow not only is going to reduce your cooling capacity. But it's going to raise the head pressure. Yeah, and if it's not, that air has to flow through that evaporator because you've got a gas going into this evaporator core, which is flashing to a liquid. Correct. And that's how it works is that when matter changes state, it absorbs energy. So when it goes from a high-pressure gas to a low-pressure liquid, it absorbs the energy, which is the heat, and that's how it's operating. 
But if you're not getting enough airflow, it may not fully flash back to a gas. Now you have the possibility of some liquid returning to the compressor. Now, as we've said many times, liquids do not compress. They do not. There is a device called a accumulator, which will contain a certain amount of liquid. For instance, if it's not fully flashing off, it starts to build up in the accumulator. The liquid does, and then it eventually flashes off and goes back to the compressor. But if you get enough and it goes through that accumulator, and if that liquid hits that compressor... Right, it's done. That's going to be a one-time event. Yep, yeah, it's done. That, that compressor is going to lock, or if it doesn't lock, it's going to... It's gonna, uh, Come apart inside. Right. Bend, bend the rods in it, bend the scroll plate, depending on what kind of compressor you got. It's going to damage it. And that could have been prevented just sure. by having a clean cabin, filter. cabin air filter in there. Let's go back to the phones. We've got Jim online. Good morning, Jim. Hey, guys. I'm the guy that calls a lot. Y'all the most scariest guys on the radio. <laughs> tell me how much I got to spend. There you go. <laughs> well, I got a truck just like yours, O2 Chevy Silverado with the V6. Mm-hmm. And it's not really giving me problems, but uh, it's got 250,000 miles on it. And what it does, it takes 15 seconds to start almost every time. And people are telling me it's the fuel regulator thing at the beginning. That's one valve. possible cause. Well, I yeah. changed, I ch- I've changed the fuel pump, but mm-hmm. I've got 250,000 right. miles on the original one, and mm-hmm. I was just afraid it would eventually go out at 250. Mm-hmm. That's what my mechanic thinks it is, too. Yeah, it could very well be. That vehicle came equipped with what they called a central port injection system. And yes. that was not the best idea in the world when it was built. I mean, it was it was the current technology when it right. was built. But it gave a lot of trouble. Those regulators will start to leak. And it's not going to leak to the outside where you can see it. It'll leak into the intake manifold. Pull the upper intake off, and you'll see a nice clean spot where it's been leaking because that gas will wash out all the carbon. So that's a a good way to tell. Just pull the upper intake. You can see it. That regulator is actually on the back side of that intake, and it usually goes in the back two cylinders. Mm -hmm. You'll see the the clean pass going through two back cylinders. And what I would do is I would never, ever, ever repair that system because GM came out with a retrofit for that system which can convert it to port injection. Right, which is a, a heads and tails above what yeah. is there now. It just, okay. the, the whole unit, the spiders and everything come out, you throw the whole deal away. This new one sits right in the same exact place. You, you have to change little, the bracket. little bracket because it bolts down different, but they'll sell you the bracket. Jason. It comes with okay. the injector kit. And instead of having little spiders going out, it's got like a little injector, and that goes down to each port, the same exact control cable plugs into it the computer runs it just the same as it did the old one it has no idea yeah and it will probably idle better than it ever did your mileage may go up slightly and it'll run better than ever. and that's the fix because yeah i think you you told me um it costs like five hundred dollars something like that yeah it's really it's not really that expensive anymore yeah compared to everything else these days where did i get i gotta go to chevy you gotta go to chevrolet yes sir go to gm dealer and just tell them you want the retrofit kit to convert to port injection and the bracket for it you think they open today? Morning, maybe. Who okay. knows? Parts maybe open. Who knows? This yeah. Which I mean, ones are open? Do they have any Chevy dealers in Baton Rouge? Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Several. Brian yeah. Harris went out of business, I think. Yeah, you it, got well, you got All Star. You got several of them, and it, it doesn't have to be a Chevrolet deal. Any GM dealer, yeah, yeah. Dealer, yeah. any of those, right. can get the same parts. It's all the same part number. But yeah, I would probably wait till during the week, and we got a better selection to, and to go from go ahead and pick it up and maybe plan it for like next weekend unless you've got you know a hankering to do it this weekend that but, guy wants to come over and do it now yeah well you're gonna, you're gonna need to, yeah, yeah you're gonna need a valve cover gasket i think because you gotta pull the upper intake you're gonna need upper intake gaskets 
and valve cover gaskets. Yeah, I think one. I think one valve cover has to come off. Unless you only if you're taking the lower off. Okay, you don't you have can, to do it for the upper. You, you don't have to take it off for the upper. Okay. What we usually find though is when you get to it, the intake is the lower intake is leaking. Yeah, and you got the top of it off already. So go ahead yeah. and do the lower while you're there. Yeah, just get a complete intake you can, set. You can build the whole thing on the bench, set it back on the vehicle, put the valve cover back on, and yeah, plug it up. They and were notorious by leaking out the front and rear seals they on were. those intakes. So. Those small blocks. Uh, well, I yeah. actually, I think it was leaking about 150,000 miles ago mm-hmm. when I worked for Chevy, yeah. and they gave me a good discount yeah. uh, to change it's probably leaking again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, if it's I mean, while you're right there, you got to do yeah. a front take off. It's about 30 minutes more to go ahead and change the lower. The gaskets cost almost nothing. So, yeah, I would so go change ahead. Change the lower what? Lower intake gaskets. So, um, so get the lower intake gaskets too. Yeah, you, and you can just take the upper intake off and get to the injectors, injectors. but the lower intake so, sitting right there. So, so I might as well give them another $50 to do that too. That's right? what I would do. And yeah. you, I think you have to have one valve cover gas because you got to put one of the other valve covers right. to get the lower intake out. But again, okay. valve covers with that kind of mileage are probably leaking anyway. It's not a bad idea. You know, a set of valve cover gas costs twelve, thirteen bucks. They're easy to no change. No extra labor. They're easy to and change. I can get I those anywhere. Yeah, 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 you yeah. can. Okay, yeah. so um, I should go to the GM and yeah. and get the just what's get on the phone and call around. It's just called the, the the injection conversion kit. Just tell them you you want to convert your injectors over to the port injection, and any okay, dealer parts man who knows yeah. anything should know right what he's talking. He probably knows the part number by heart. All right, yeah, because they sold a capacitor of them. Yeah, injection. What again? The injector. Con- yeah, the injector conversion set. Conversion kit. Okay. Right, yeah, and, and, and a bracket for that year. Yeah, and there's going to be a bracket, bracket also. I think the bracket comes in the box. But uh, be, no, yeah, okay. it's, it's, it's extra. Is it extra? extra? Oh yeah. So it comes with it. The bracket no, does no, not. Does not. You got to buy that okay. separate. Okay. All righty. All right. Well, guys, I'm going to go ahead and try and do this. Well, I appreciate it. Okay, man. All right. Thank you. All right, we got to take our next little break. We'll be right back with more. Hey, Mike, I'm thinking about boiling some shrimp. You know where I can get a good price? Oh, yeah. I got a shrimp guy, but there's a catch. His name is Remy Labateau, and you have to go down to Lafouche Parish and meet him after midnight. Okay. He'll be behind the dumpster of an abandoned fireworks stand off Louisiana 1, and you have to buy exactly 50.3 pounds. Well, that's oddly specific. It seems everybody's got a guy these days, and if you're looking for an automotive guy, Look no further than the team at Agco Automotive. No hassles, just straight up quality maintenance and repairs. And with Agco's general inspection, they can perform an annual checkup to find any problems and schedule maintenance to keep your car running right, saving you money in the long run. So what kind of seasoning do you use? Oh, I got a seasoning guy too. How do you feel about traveling to Bangkok? Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Welcome back. This is Joyce, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our general manager, Mr. Brian Terry, right here across the side. And between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Still got a few minutes. You can get a call in. And we were talking about air conditioning and stuff like that. And some of the things that get misdiagnosed or people do not necessarily consider as maintenance. One is the belt on the AC compressor. Right. And our tensioner, if it has one. Right. A lot of your vehicles now have what they call a stretch belt. Mm-hmm. It doesn't require a tensioner. You actually have a special tool you stretch it till under the pulleys with. 
and that's that's it. There's no tension. The tension is built into the belt. Right. After a period of time, that belt starts to wear just as any other belt would start to wear, and it starts slipping on the compressor. Well, and the thing is, with an EPDM rubber belt, you're probably not going to ever see any cracks. Nope. And you're not going to hear any noise. It just starts to slightly slip. Now, what happens when it slightly slips is it generates a tremendous amount of heat in that pulley. It can cause the compressor clutch to burn out. It can cause the the compressor itself. Yeah, all kinds of things start to happen. Belts and tensioners are generally good. The belt, about seven years, I think, is the outside. The tensioner, about 100,000 miles on most cars. And like I said, some of your Chevy pickups for a long time, they had two belts, but one had a t- the little one had a tensioner and the big one had a tensioner. Correct. The newer ones, you've got a tensioner on the big belt, but a stretch belt on, on the, the little low, one. On the small So one. you just got to see how your car is equipped. But I would definitely consider that as sure. part of maintenance. Sure. Now, a few other things that can cause the AC to quit cooling. Your one is, let's say the throttle body on the vehicle is dirty. And the battery dies. Okay. Now, you go in and you replace the battery. Sure. But now it has to relearn idle because the battery's been disconnected. Well, because the throttle body is dirty, it can't close close that blade all the way. So it can't really properly learn idle. So your idle starts to drop down lower than it used to be. For instance, most vehicles today operate 600 to 700 RPM. Well, let's say on a Chevy pickup again, because we were talking about those earlier, the idle drops down to around 550 to 600. Sure. When you come to an idle, it's going to disable that compressor. Right. Because it sees the idle's too low. It doesn't want the engine to nope. die. So it takes the load from the compressor. It turns the compressor off to drop the load. Right. I've seen people spend an inordinate amount of money changing parts, thinking, you know, we Something had a, was, yeah, I've seen mostly people go in, they hook up one of these little charger things, put more gas in it, which destroys the whole system. That's extremely Does not fix the problem. And cost them a whole, whole bunch of money for something that was simple, simply overlooked. That's right. And another thing that you mentioned during the break is that when you have an overheat problem, overheat problem, or, or the pro- computer thinks the engine is overheating, perceived overheat problem. The first thing that engine is going to do is cut the load to the AC compressor. That's it's right. going to cut the compressor off to drop the load to try to cool the engine off. That's right. If it can't do that, then it starts dropping cylinders and injecting air to try to cool that engine off. It's going to try to survive as long as it can, if, even if it thinks it's overheating. It may not be. Yeah. But if it thinks it is, all these things can happen. That's right. And I know the first thing you say, well, I'm looking at temperature gauge. It's not hot. you got to remember, there's two different sensors. Right. There's One a sensor goes, for the gauge, which may be working perfectly well. Uh-huh. There's a sensor for the, the computer. computer. Now, if this one, let's say the sensor goes off range. Right. And there's, it's still working, but it's not working properly. It's so, in a different range now. That's right. It thinks the engine is overheating. Even though it is not overheating at all, it is going to disable the AC compressor. Sure. Sure. I've seen those sensors go bad and read minus 40, and it's double pulsing the injectors, and you cut gas mileage has been cut in Correct. half. But or if it's reading 240, it's going to kill the compressor. Exactly. And it's going to run the fans wide open. It's going to try everything it can to control that perceived yeah. heat. So the point is, you can't just go in and do something. You have to diagnose the air conditioning system. I see we're just about out of time. Jim, I'm sorry I'm not going to be able to get to you today because we've got to uh, go to break here in just a second. But if you give me an email, I'll be glad to answer whatever questions you may have. Yeah, if it perceives that it's overheating, it is going to disable that air sure. conditioning unit. So First thing. 
yeah, that's just one more thing that can cause a problem like that without actually having a problem, a problem. an air conditioning problem, per se. We're going to talk more about this next week and, well, Maybe. or next week that we're back, <laughs> let's put it that way, uh, about going and diagnosing, figuring out when you do have an AC problem or whether it's just something else that's that's causing it. Yeah, causing this kind of stuff. I see we're just about out of time. I want to tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening. Tell your friends, go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service, whichever that might be. Find a written view and fill it out for us, please. There you go. That helps us out a lot. A guy asked me one time, he says, well, do y'all get paid for that? I said, no, no we don't sir. get paid. We This is a show we just right. to get the information out there. But what that does when you do fill out the review, that's right. Then whenever somebody types in a generic term, not automotive hour but just type in auto, auto repair podcast the ones with the better ratings will come up first just like it's like anything on google anything or, or any kind of search right. engine and people don't generally search 40 pages back to find something they're going to look at the first page half of the first page and those are the shows that are clicked on yep so the better the rankings the better we have to get people listen to us more people listen to us long, long we do that's it because the guys on the radio station do that we do the show looks at those ratings and say hey yeah eh, ain't nobody listening to these guys boom yeah. you're <laughs> out of here big swift kick Boom. Yeah. Bums rush. (laughs) (laughs) A preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.